0: Aloha and welcome back to the Women on Fire podcast. I am Daniela and I'm here with... Jamie! (laughs) Good morning! (laughs)
1: Good morning if it's morning for you. Good whenever. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, yes. Good whenever to all of you. (laughs) (laughs) So we are here today to talk about natural inductions and that topic came up because i was thinking a lot about castor oil so we might end up highlighting that a lot more i might but yeah natural induction rabbit hole here we go so the weekend that you and i met jamie augustine colebrooks advanced midwifery workshop out here on oahu one of the things that stood out to me that she pointed out to me like remember i had never even attended a birth at this point you know i'm like I'm like brand new and I'm in an advanced midwifery course. I'm like, okay, a lot of it was over my head, but very well. Natural induction, she pointed out. Well, it's like, well, first of all, it's kind of like a, a an oxymoron or it's like, there's just no such thing. When we're talking about inducing, at the end of the day, it's forcing something to happen that otherwise isn't happening on its own, that isn't happening naturally. So even though you may be using things that are more quote natural um the point is you're still forcing something along so sure one can differentiate between different methods of inducing um you can have pharmaceutical and non-pharmaceutical and and then break down you know pros and cons of each sure um and it's not even a judgment thing of like oh well, there's no way to naturally induce it's just like i don't it was something really valuable that she pointed out to me um because sometimes when people think about natural induction there seems to be more willingness to embrace that but then they think about medicalized pharmaceutical induction and that's like the devil um
1: with and neither are are either
0: yeah exactly and that's why I really wanted to talk about this today because there's so much nuance to the conversation of induction and all its methods Yeah, I
1: think it would be good to just, we're not going to weigh in heavily on the medical piece because, you know, that, that has its own sort of um, its own thing in and of itself. But I think that one thing to highlight is that, you know, there are, there are certain times where a medical induction is necessary. And, um, and that is a medically managed um, birth. And so we're talking more about natural non-medical interventions. So this isn't to replace a medically necessary situation. Birth inherently is not medical. Pregnancy is not a pathology. Um, even if you have a 43 week pregnancy, um, and so it is more just to, um, so we, you know, I think that it's always good to point that out, that, um, there's no always and never as we, often say um but we are going to focus more on the the natural um techniques to get things moving which are also interventions
0: exactly I think That's a a nuance to harp on a bit. It's just that, right, the medical intervention or medical inductions often are seen like, oh, no, awful, certainly avoid them at all costs because it's got all these side effects and, you know, don't interfere with the natural process, da, 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 da. But then when presented with a natural way to induce things, it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds really sweet and I love herbs. It's like, well, no, we should still take the same level of precaution regardless of the method and thinking of like well wait why are we wanting to move things along because um, nothing is without risk and there's different levels of interventions that one can use and some things are more gentler than others and the risks and potential side effects are going to be less or different with different things but still forcing something because it's not happening you know warrants being done with very careful consideration so let's see yeah we end up in these positions of considering natural inductions um like what are the things that come up for folks well yeah you mentioned 43 week pregnancies yeah people start (laughs) talking about it then right yeah
1: yeah post dates or um right Maybe blood pressures are increasing or maybe, um, the mother is actually physically very uncomfortable and, and it's becoming misery as opposed to, um, it's hard to get the oxytocin flowing when you're just miserable. Cause you're really uncomfortable, your sciatica or whatever, you know? And again, like that's a, that's a need, or I mean, a want, not a need, but you know, we do walk a fine line of of supporting discomfort versus monitoring like trauma (laughs) Um, or 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 deflecting from a a trauma experience so
0: yeah so that's those are reasons it comes up some right whether the mom's mentally like I'm just done being pregnant or physically it's too much now or there's some clinical symptoms coming up um or in the technocratic world we may hear more of the well you know maybe there's not enough fluid um or
1: yeah if you're planning hospital but you're getting pressured by hospital for induction anyways, then sometimes folks who are planning that route will do some more natural approaches to hopefully dodge a medical induction, I would say, but, you know, I, I often advise women who are trying to encourage things to move along to remember that it's a, what you're doing really is you're nourishing pathways um, that if the baby's not ready, the baby's not going to come. You can have all the sex you want and put a breast pump on for hours. But if the baby isn't ready, then even a medical or chemical induction can take days. So
0: straight up not work or, or not, not work. Right? We, <laughs> we hear moms like, yeah, I got sent home for my induction because it just wasn't taking after three days. So we know that oxytocin receptors grow over time and by the end of the pregnancy they're there that's when there's the most of them which is why we hear the stories of the woman like well I nursed my whole pregnancy and I wasn't having contractions but then one day I I nurse and and oh it like really kicked me into labor it's like why did that one day all of a sudden matter that she was nursing um so that's one piece of the puzzle so yeah sometimes you can yeah it doesn't hurt to do things to help prepare the system if a medical induction is on the horizon for some reason or another and I won't get lost in trying to break down whether it's warranted or not because there's so many different scenarios
1: (laughs) educate yourself educate yourself
0: right right educate yourself yeah I mean it's it's just a big conversation because left and right people are getting induced it's like one out of three people on average are getting induced so there's so many things that are thrown at people so we certainly hear lots of stories where it wasn't necessarily medically needed um or indicated but it happens anyways but okay that aside (laughs) um, the reason I was really excited to talk about this today was because of a recent experience where castor oil ended up being super helpful. And it helped highlight this nuanced conversation for me about why are we wanting to move things along? And if we feel like, you know, we're planning home birth and we feel like things need to move along and it's no longer okay for this pregnancy to continue then should we still be at home? Is something so off that this baby needs to urgently be evacuated? If we're that concerned, then should it, is maybe the hospital the best place for these folks? But it depends, like what are we concerned about, right? Um, and I have generally erred more on that side and I still do that, you know, by and large, the less we intervene, the better, right? Birth tends to work best when we leave it alone and don't interrupt and disrupt um, because that can lead to more issues, right? Like forcing a baby to come out, get contractions going um, in in a forced matter, imposing these contractions on a baby that maybe isn't in the right position yet, right? They haven't quite figured out or settled into their position now you're jamming them through the pelvis right are we causing malposition issues there are we going to have more stuck babies because we're doing you know right those are the kind of thoughts that are being weighed when we're talking about induction of any kind um so i'm I'm like really conservative about quote inducing um at home and it's like yeah and then i i finally had to walk it i mean not finally but it came up and it's like it's a delicate thing you know um in our world it's not my call and i didn't make that call right it's not the midwife it's like we share all the information with folks you know pros and cons potential risks unknown risks known risks and and what's right for you (laughs) you know um yeah as far as casserole you know you hear things like oh well it might make a baby poop and the funny thing is often we're considering it you know like post-term right when it's like well babies that are kind of that much older in the womb are just more likely to poop because they're older and their digestive tract just kind of works so it's likely they're gonna poop just because of that, not necessarily
1: because of asphyxiation or anything, or
0: or yeah, it's not because they were problem. getting old and distressed or because of the castor oil. It was just right because castor oil makes the mom poop. So is it going to make the baby poop? It's like well, it might, but it might also just be that you know you've got an older baby in there with a healthy digestive tract. <laughs> so um there's that because that's often thought about or it's a common concern of like well it might put the baby in stress, and they'll poop it's like eh, it's an older baby they might just poop anyways so there's that um okay i have a reflection to share about this recent experience and then i've got a question for you so one of the many reflections from this latest castor oil induction adventure <laughs> Um, It's kind of more of a comparative insight from another time I was with the mom in a very similar parallel situation um, where casserole ended up coming into play as well. And, you know, in one case, there was a a large hemorrhage and and one wonders, oh, is it because we forced things, right? Was it the casserole that kind of threw things off because she wasn't ready? And one can only forever speculate. But in this recent experience, that wasn't the case. Like casserole came into play and then things could not be smoother after that. It looked so smooth, pick like just textbook, perfect, wonderful, and yay. Um, so like most things, it's not an always or never. Huh, what a surprise, what a surprise. Um, but it just got me reflecting about the mental piece of it all, right? and reflecting I was like well in one case you know I think maybe mom wasn't fully quite ready and then we used the casserole She just like like well he's got to go so just just you know she's like oh I wasn't ready to go and jump off the rock and then I got pushed off the rock and I was ah, maybe not ready now I did a
1: belly flop <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> right I didn't get to stick the landing because I didn't Oh, so yeah it felt like oh maybe we pushed the physical body to go but then the spirit was like I'm not ready to go on that journey and then but then seeing my recent experience where it was like yeah there were some things in the way and the oil totally helped push things out of the way literally like you know physically it's like yeah it makes people go and it gives them the runs but also it's like oh emotional clearance I <laughs>
1: saying, yeah
0: for real yeah and that was cool to see of like it helped physically move it out of the way and energetically move things along um but then it was like the spirit was ready for that journey so the spirit didn't get lost behind or like like she she like kept up with her body's journey too and it's like uh, it's just such a multifaceted journey you know and of course i've heard so many successful castor oil stories you know there's that oh, what's this woman's name this, oh i forget her name this famous lady in california who had her twins like hours after taking casserole and everything could look so perfect like the provider providers didn't even make it to her house like she just had her babies right and they called it baby rocket fuel <laughs> Well, I think about the the mom that you and I met that had
1: an accidental home birth because her doctor told her to take castor oil because they thought she had a big baby. So she took castor oil and then woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and was like, oh, my gosh, there's a baby coming out of me. So she planned a home birth after that.
0: Yeah, she's right. She was planning. She's like, I delivered my own baby
1: on the toilet, and when the EMTs got there, I had to be sure to like be like, no, don't touch, don't cut the cord, don't. (laughs) She was like, well, if it happened quick this next time, the the next time, you know, one, I won't have the pressure to induce, and two. If it's happening fast, at least someone's coming who isn't going to, who who, not that EMT don't know what to do, but they're actually, they're trained very well. They're trained to do nothing, do nothing, watch, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they're also, you know, cut the cord to make it easier to get everybody in the ambulance and whatever, right? So yeah, so sometimes it can be very successful and then sometimes it doesn't work. Least. And I have to say, as far as castor oil, it's the last thing on my list that I usually would recommend for people to do.
0: Agreed. Absolutely. I definitely jumped into it because was, it was at the forefront of my mind. But good clarification. <laughs> Plenty of other options before Blast that. Last ditch <laughs> effort. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Um, but yeah, you know, I've seen women take a lot of casserole and jamie nothing nothing happens, happens. <laughs> nothing. Like, like not even the runs she might have had like one valve movement but it was a regular valve movement that she might have had anyway it was it was the weirdest thing okay so but you know perhaps there's something to be said about mole tips um and and prime mips and actually you know what before we got on i got on google scholars checked out some articles to see if there's any research out there and to much there is stuff. yeah oh, yeah i mean i haven't looked into the research before because i'm like what more research do you need look at all these stories these babies are flying out with the casserole <laughs> <laughs> like it's obviously highly effective <laughs> um, and and that's pretty much what all the research well all the like five articles that i happen to look at all concluded the same thing it's like it tends to work really well and they weren't finding higher levels of issues with baby they didn't find higher levels of meconium stain that amniotic fluid and they didn't find higher levels of um, hemorrhages either Right. And those are some of the concerns I just had and that you hear commonly in the community. Um, so that was just one particular research article that saw that. But it was cool to see. It's like, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. One is pretty effective, but also they did find a difference. And multiples tend to have um, like they're more sensitive to it or it just works more for them um and then prime mips had like a a less of a success rate of as far as it push the castor oil pushing them into active labor um but still it it did help a lot of women um and i don't have the article pulled up for numbers but you know whatever google scholars it's out there like i'm um but you know you mentioned earlier of like yeah you know there's a there's a place where inductions are warranted and we we not just you and I but you know this collective of women who are being very thoughtful about what inductions are accepted and and what's really needed for birth you know we critique the um just the inductions because they're being handed out like candy right but sometimes they are warranted and helpful. And, you know, Dr. Flores in LA, it's this woman OB attending home births out there um, and she specializes in twins and breeches. And I don't know if you saw a post recently where she had a mom with twins who had cholestasis. And yeah, and and when that's going on, um, you know, the risks of that are, are pretty severe. I mean, there's a high chance of um, it leading to fetal demise. And so induction is usually recommended sooner rather than later in those cases. Um, and she helped this mom birth her twins at home with an induction. I think it was gas oil. Do you remember that detail? I want to say it was castor oil um but if it wasn't that it was some other natural approach it wasn't like a medicalized induction at home necessarily um but I think it was castor oil because that's that's one of the most effective options <laughs> um it was sure. yeah so it, it was just a really cool story like here's a woman who like oh has a pretty good medical reason for considering an induction for her baby safety
1: and yeah she- and that's different than big baby or whatnot but I also think there mm. is something on some level that not that we need validation from the obstetrical world but even the woman that we talked about earlier where her obstetrician was like let's have a baby take some castor oil so it's certainly not not deemed a, a negative thing even by the obstetrics model of care or maybe it depends on the obstetrician who is caring for you. But um but it's kind of one of one of those things that universally is known to be effective. And as you also found in the scholar papers and whatnot. So evidence-based birth has a pretty decent um, podcast about it as well. And so yeah, I, I listened to it a couple of years ago um when I was when I was trying to keep up with some of the more current evidence that was coming out, um, that could help when I was doing a lot of doula work. Um, so to help support those moms who were having hospital births or hospital inductions, um, to get them prepped. So, and the other thing is it's also, I mean, this comes into play with acupuncture, with herbs, with other things that we use to sort of naturally encourage labor to come along. Um, is that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, right? You might need a few appointments at acupuncture or maybe that's not what works for you or maybe your baby's not actually ready or um, you can drink a whole bottle of herbs and nothing can happen or something will happen. And, And the reality is that you'll never know. Of if mm-hmm. it would have happened that if it would have just happened anyway, or if that nudge is what sent it over, but there is, there is a lot um, backing natural methods that they have some sort of effect. Otherwise, it wouldn't be recommended over and over again through generations, right? So, through um, this is this is ancestral knowledge. This is one way that like, you know, midwives are 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 taking from the ancestors and bringing it forward. This is how we are still connected to the natural self. And um, and like I said, I always like to tell people to don't think of it as induction, think of it as an encouraging pathways of opening and releasing and, and slippery things up and encouragement. So when you take those things, you don't take it of like, um, I gotta get this baby out, but more of like, I am, I'm supporting my body and releasing this child as opposed to like, because, because that's the other thing as people will take lots of herbs or they'll go and do a lot of acupuncture or they'll do these things. And then they'll be like, Oh, well I'm still pregnant and they get disappointed and that just blows the oxytocin right out of your sails. Right. And it's like, you know, Oh, I'm having all this sex and it's like, well, but are you enjoying it? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you are you just trying to get the baby out, you know, Um, because those are very different things. And, and that's, there's so many different options because what works for someone might not work for the next person. Some people don't respond to homeopathics. Some people don't enjoy sex. Some people, um, you know, they are breastfeeding. That's not going to be spicy foods. They eat spicy foods all the time. Mm -hmm. That's not what's going to get the baby out, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think that there's, there's something, something to that. And then I also wanted to just touch. It kind of came through my mind of, of that in-between space of when it doesn't work, but it kind of feels like it keeps starting to work, but then it stops. And then people get into a place of pro drummal labor where it comes and goes and comes and goes, but it doesn't actually take off and how, when advising someone or when advising yourself to, step into the world of encouragement of labor to have a strong sense of mind as far as that could happen. You could be in what's called pro-drummel labor, where it starts and stops and starts and stops. And often it starts and stops at night when you're trying to sleep. So you have to really be prepared for that too. And that's something that I don't think is addressed a lot um in the like natural mamas communities like the facebook groups and whatever like they don't necessarily say like you're like oh i gotta get this baby out like what do i do and here's all the list of things to do but being prepared for the fact that it could put you into this like state of in between and how do you prepare for that mentally physically emotionally. What are your thoughts about that?
0: That is a reality that can be tricky to deal with for sure, but something to be aware of that can come up indeed. And some things might stimulate things and maybe it's just like irritating your system if anything so being able to distinguish that but then it's this tricky place right the in between because people are like but I want it to keep going so I'm going to keep doing things but and you don't know sometimes until you try of whether it's going to be able to get kicked into gear or you just got to let it go (laughs) um, so that you can get some rest and just let it taper off because sometimes it will just taper off sometimes these things will give you some contractions and but it's not quite active labor. And so it made me think actually of evening primrose oil um, because I've seen it a lot with that, especially when it's done internally where people get a little more uterine activity. And sometimes it's like, oh, well, maybe they did a really big dose and then they cut back and then the uterine activity kind of calms down. Um, or sometimes it's not necessarily a big dose, but they're just sensitive and that's how it affects them. But it's like, well, that's not unhelpful though. Uh you know, I'm talking about not even necessarily late induction scenarios, actually. <laughs> um, because now I'm just talking about people that might do this routinely because I'm just addressing it because EPO gets thrown out. It's like really um often mentioned in these groups in the community so it's often used just yes, like yeah 37 weeks you start taking it to prepare yourself for like prepare your body and there's this fine line between really preparing the pathways as you say a fine line between that and then thinking that you need to do something to prepare your body to go into labor it's like well what if you didn't do those things like uh, like you're still probably going to go into labor like most people just go into labor you don't really yeah have
1: typically you don't have to do something to make your to to encourage labor i mean labor yeah and don't again it's that? like you would you would never <laughs> know if you didn't do something right or if you did do something you would never know what the other side of the coin looks like because this is the path you chose and you cannot, and we've said this before on the podcast too, you cannot fantasize or hypothesize about what the other path where it would have led you or what it would have looked like, because the reality is you just don't know. We, li- we love to like um, romanticize these things of like, oh, well, if I would have done X, Y, or Z, or if I wouldn't have done X, Y, or Z, but the reality is we don't know. So mm-hmm. when so you- true when you choose a path, you choose, be sure to choose it with confidence, you know, because, um, and of course, sometimes it's hard to choose confidence, um, confidently, what is the right thing to do, especially if there's a lot of um, direction being given to you, and that your gut is uncertain about. And so it's like, is that my gut? Or is that the outside world like what is that and so and that again talk about an oxytocin like killer is that like feeling um out of uh feeling bullied or pressured or um coerced and and then having that feeling afterwards about like wow this just really isn't what I what I wanted and sometimes, what you don't want is what is needed. <laughs> I don't know. This yeah. is—it's a really like—it's hard to talk about these things because they are so very specific to the person and the unique circumstance. So to speak, so broadly and generally about it is challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, it's I agree. and. And it depends on who your audience really is, how are they going about their pregnancy and their birth process in general, what is actually needed versus what they want, because wants and needs are different and sometimes they're the same, but. I
0: mean, everything you just said, absolutely. It's kind of hard to have this conversation because everything we do is so circumstantial. And it's in sharing all this information with the woman, and then seeing what elements are they bringing into play based on their life journey and what they're dealing with. I mean, I just mentioned the evening primrose oil thing, and a lot of people ask about it. I heard I should do it at thirty-seven weeks every day, until I go into labor. And like, I'm not a fan of that. I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my two cents out there. You know, I mean, there's information out there of it's also been researched a lot. But when doing it internally, it can actually cause the bag of waters to break right it's this oily substance it can rupture the membranes before it would have naturally it can lead to an irritated uterus so we really don't recommend it vaginally like that you know maybe introducing back more and more bacteria
1: up into your you know your uterine cavity and yeah
0: For real. So, so that's something I'm like, Oh, let's take more pause on that one, folks. But you know, orally, like, I'm also not a fan, like, you don't really need it. So I'm usually like, you guys can skip the EPO. But, you know, recently, I had a conversation with someone where, you know, there was a conversation of like, well, maybe some hormone stuff is off, because there was some other stuff going on. So it's like, well, maybe, oral EPO might be helpful to bring some balance to the hormonal pathways, right? So like, I I rarely say that because most of the time it's not really necessary or or seems relevant, but there was one unique situation where it's like, oh, seems relevant actually. (laughs) So yeah, right. It's like, oh, it's also very circumstantial. Something I might usually be like, no, stay away from a bad idea. I was like, actually, it seems like a good idea this time. (laughs) So yeah life we we navigate with folks um you know you're talking about outside pressure and again this conversation of why are we doing these things in the first place or considering these options and we're largely taking our leads from moms and where they're right Mm -hmm. yeah um and
1: asking them really where that is coming from right like having those those pregnant folks like dig deep like why why do you why do you feel like it's time what is the what is either the internal or the external pressure and and do you need to buy into it or not and you know where does that come from um yeah. Cause sometimes too, like just movement and things, right. It's fun to talk even about like, what are the different methods, right? Like the most, the most non-interventive would be movement, dance, hiking, walking, swimming, you know, like really moving because if it's a position thing for your baby or a tightness thing for your body, then just as during labor, like movement can can get a stuck labor going right you plateau at six centimeters get, maybe get out of that bed and get shaken <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. or go take a nap go try to rest you know um get out of work stop working and being in the rush 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 run 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 I got to get this 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 this, this list mm-hmm. done yeah right turn off the list. (laughs) And those, those are actual induction
0: methods. (laughs) Yes, it's what you brought up earlier of what's the approach, right? It's not just the exterior thing that you got to rely on to get you into labor but what's like okay yeah you're gonna go on that walk but you're gonna be pissed the whole time like fucking baby get out so angry and frustrated and you're like in stress mode the whole time like well you know that might not be that helpful
1: (laughs) you're probably like holding a lot of tension in your shoulders and in your butt when you're doing that (laughs) Yeah, grandma's only here for three more days
0: (laughs) real right we see that a lot so i'm a huge fan of movement and everything like usually the movement's a a good answer for most things but or emotional release i mean get angry scream cry kick yeah well yeah and that's why i love the movement it's a it's a great way to like it gets you huffing and puffing and then you kind of like it starts moving the energy around too but yeah move some stuff around scream let it out and the emotional blocks are a thing you know again at the end of the day we don't know why someone's pregnancy might be taking longer than most people's but you know we often see the the emotional piece be a huge part of hello we're emotional beings (laughs) um so so that's a piece and people address it in different ways different people need different things um but it's something to acknowledge like that could be at play. So what do you need to release that recognize what it is? Is it the, that you have a visitor in your home that you're not okay with and you just can't relax around them yeah sometimes (laughs)
1: grandma has to go before the baby will come even though you really wanted her there like maybe the baby is like "Mm -mm, this is for us (laughs) i've lived in that woman (laughs) Uh yeah right just kidding we love all the grandmas
0: (laughs) we do and sometimes we leave but we also know that (laughs)
1: yeah we know relationships are complicated and so it's, yeah, it's not a diss. It's not a diss. <laughs> it's
0: it's just that sometimes labor and end of pregnancy is not the time to work on certain things. You're, yeah.
1: right. And not- I, I think that there is something to that too of like, maybe it's an emotional release, but I, I do have to harp on the fact that like, maybe dealing with your deepest, darkest traumas during pregnancy isn't always the best thing. And I know there's a lot of like, Talk about that during like during people's pregnancies of like oh well if you had some really traumatic sexual event or whatever that might block things during your labor you kind of that's a fine line of whether or not you really want to unpack that while you're pregnant because if you're still in if you start unsurfacing things that you're not really gonna be able to get through then it also could make you stuck versus, you know, it's there, you know, it's a piece of you, but it's not, you're not having to bring it to the forefront. And that's not to say don't work on your trauma. Everyone should, but sometimes during your pregnancy, isn't the best time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we all have our stuff and there's always more layers to our stuff. (laughs) It's a never ending journey of peeling the onion and you know, sometimes there's only so much digging to be done. And that's it. And that's fine. You don't have to be like, feel your traumas, feel them more, not feel them again, and more deeply. It's like, well, can I stop feeling it for a little bit? Like, right, there's that balance between like, yeah, be present with things. And don't pretend like you aren't like this feeling isn't trying to come up. But also don't force yourself to have to dig into something. And it's not always an emotional block like it has its role but it's only a piece of the puzzle it ain't the whole puzzle right yeah I I
1: watched a woman draw um her womb this past weekend and she had these little black squares on the outside of it and she was like and that's all the stuff and like I know it's there it's always gonna be lingering there but it's not in the space, but it's part of the space, but it's not in the space. And I thought that was really like, she sees it, she's recognizing that she has a history as we all do, but that it, and, and then it's not gonna go away, but, but that it doesn't have to be the driving force or it doesn't have to be this overshadowing piece of it that it can, you know, it, but it, it's never gonna, you know, like people's trauma is not ever gonna go away it will always be on the shelf
0: right it right. <laughs> does it mean to have dealt with your traumas like well something's just always going to have been hard it'll never not have been hard but then and it's not to diminish
1: these things either like I don't mean to just be like just get over it because that's not what I'm saying either
0: all right well maybe these will be my last thoughts then because you you, you totally just walked me into it because I had to have this kind of conversation you know I was checking in with you and and our elders about you know like how do I keep walking with this woman like like just different insights where it's like it felt like the never-ending pregnancy (laughs) um and we were taking a look at different pieces of the puzzle and I was taking the lead from this woman of what she felt was relevant that was coming up and what's going on and And yeah, there was some right history as there's often for all of us and but but also a woman who had really done a lot to grow and not let that be the defining thing in her life it's like no yeah there was that and also I can still grow right? We talk about metaphors in nature where we see these trees that are like, they like split in half and it looks like they're going to die, but actually they just kept growing in a different direction, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, like we can do that. We're amazing. So she's like, I can keep growing. So I wasn't trying to hyper fixate on the like, what's the emotional drama block? It's like, no, like, you know, talked about other things, but then one day, she said something that made me be like, oh, this is still here right now at the forefront, though. So now let's go there. Now it's time. Not because you're going there. I'm going to go there. So we went there. And oh, there was something you said earlier that was exactly what I had to address. forget what you said. But point being, I we had this long conversation that boils down to. Like, yeah, that's a thing you're not going to be able to resolve all of that right now so are you able to put that aside for now and no longer let that get in your way and just focus on your priority of just going on your journey you and your baby oh it was the whole like I had to be really careful like I'm really trying not to be insensitive and because it was kind of like I'm not trying to tell you just to get over it and it's not a big deal I was like no it is a big deal and also it's not the time to focus on that. Like we like that can't get in the way anymore for now. you can you can deal with it more later. But right now, like <laughs> the priority is this. And it really helped that every appointment I had with this woman was like at least two hours. So, and we had been seeing each other for a long time. So we had that deep relationship and trust with each other. And I was like, I'm just forewarning or I gave her a little disclaimer at the beginning of the conversation where I'm like, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm being really careful in my words here and she's like let me just stop you right there anything you say like I don't get insulted by it I know you're coming from a place of just wanting the best for me my baby and since I had been sensitive and careful all the time before she's like I understand where you're coming from and I respect your insights and I can take it I'm not going to be offended or insulted I was like okay thank goodness (laughs) because because it was a tough love moment you know um so yeah it wasn't like oh just get over it. it was like no that's a big deal and also can you somehow decide that it's not going to get in your way and somehow she did because you had her baby the next day she's like all right she's like I'm gonna call you in a few hours I'm gonna sit and meditate and deal with some things and like reconfigure things in my mind and she did
1: so beautiful! Like, this yep. is the how powerful we are. Yeah, like each individual person can harness this. Everyone can harness this. Everyone is capable. Um, and having tools or a safe place to be really real is is important. And that's the beauty of the midwifery model of care. Um, and especially, I would have to say. The there there's something about professionalism of midwifery and then humanism of midwifery, and you can have both, but you have to remember that often the professionalism is the piece that is is banged into you through school, and um through rigorous training, high volume, da 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 but then there's this whole humanistic side of it. And that is, um, you know, taking the time, having affection, (laughs) you know, um, and, and having, having the energy, like feeling that person that you're sitting in front of feeling like you energetically want to be there to, to, to hold them. Um, that's yeah and that sometimes is what can get things going so yeah so there's herbs there's oils there's talks there's movement there's homeopathics there's there's so many things and I I guess I would just say that you know it's like we said at the beginning to think of all these things as nourishing your pathway to your baby you know you're watering the garden you're you're feeding the soul. You're, um, you're expanding and, and making space in your heart for, for learning and for healing and for all the things. Like that's what, that's what it could be about. That's what this whole journey of birthing and, and becoming parents could be about.
0: Yeah, it's really <laughs> the nourishing the past pathways nourishing the soul the self so hopefully that can be a big takeaway if you remember anything at all from this episode is just that if you find yourself in this position of contemplating induction possibilities and options that as you navigate it I hope maybe you can do so with just that that you're going to just be nourishing the pathways instead of I'm doing this to get, the get this baby, baby out, out. <laughs> <laughs> Even if that can be the background of like, well, I hope that's what it leads to, that's okay. And- <laughs> Most women want to have their baby.
1: <laughs> They're totally understanding. They're like, okay, okay. Yes, very <laughs>
0: rational I
1: may not ever be ready to be a mom, but I, I'm this
0: far along now, so <laughs> I'm <laughs> gonna have ready. to do it eventually. <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, I think about nourishing the pathways. It's just like, well, what do you do to nourish yourself? Well, it's like, you know, like you gotta drink liquids every day right like you don't drink liquids so that the baby comes out but you kind of need to drink liquids to make sure that you're healthy for the pregnancy and the birth right it's like well it's that fine line where it's like it's nourishing the pathways by just drinking your fluids and drink or eating your food and movement we all need movement pregnant or not
1: (laughs) yeah Um, and making yourself a priority right like Mm-hmm. It's which is hard to do in in this world nowadays because we have our jobs that we have to work until we have the baby or whatever it is right like we're caretakers we care for our partners or our other children or whatever so that's that's one other piece of like I don't call it selfish but a lot of people would say like well I feel selfish by going and getting a massage and spending that money or whatever it is. Right. And it's like, well, give me a break. (laughs) How is that selfish? I mean, that's, that is not just for you. That's for your baby. That is for your partner or your other children for you to have your cup replenished as well. That's actually probably the least selfish thing you can do is, (laughs) is to take care of yourself. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes okay never mind what i said earlier the real takeaway message from this podcast <laughs> is go get a massage <laughs> urgently top <It's my> priority <laughs> or go
1: take that walk or sit in the car for an hour by yourself
0: Where <laughs> whatever it's a it is nourishing thing nourish <laughs> the soul <laughs> what nourishes you go do it yeah All right. Very well. Turn off the podcast. Nurture your soul. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) Aloha.